0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Well, good morning. I've been a Chiefs fan almost as long as I've been a Cardinal fan. So we are excited about the big game and... uh, You know, uh, since 1970, it's been kind of a disappointment in the playoffs. But uh, Patrick McHolmes is the new rock star of the Chiefs. Uh, This guy, I think, is going to lead us to the Super Bowl. That's my prediction. He's thrown 50 touchdown passes, over 5,000-yard passes. In Kansas City, they're giving out haircuts now where you can get Patrick McHolmes' image on your head. I thought about doing that, but I was afraid my hair would not grow back. <laughs> but McCombs is incredible. Um, how he can make the no-look passes, how he can scramble under pressure, how he can throw left-handed when he needs to it is absolutely phenomenal. He could have been a star in basketball. He could have been a major league shortstop. And now he's an amazing quarterback at the age of 23. I was talking with a friend in a restaurant recently, and we were uh, giving our accolades of Mahomes. And a lady overheard us, and she said, uh, it's too bad that that kind of talent isn't spread around. Well, we're going to read today in the Gospel of Luke about uh, Jesus. And we're going to be looking at how Jesus was acquiring rock star status as uh, a guy that just kind of walked on to the scene, in a way. He's performing miracles. He's doing teaching. He's giving great wisdom and counsel. And uh, word is spreading about him And then he enters his hometown, the hometown of Nazareth. And we're going to read about uh, what it is that makes Jesus who Jesus is. We might be surprised at what it is. Uh, Would you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? And Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his, home, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked on him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. You may have a seat. Now, what is it That fills Jesus? What is it that enables Jesus to be who he is and do what he does? This is the third time, not the first time, not the second time. This is the third time that Luke tells us what that is. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And when he goes into the wilderness, again, Luke tells us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led, compelled to go into the wilderness, and he was led by the Spirit in his wilderness temptation. And now the third time, Luke wants us to know something. At the very beginning of this passage, as Jesus returns to Galilee, he is filled With the Holy Spirit. Now, I am blessed in incredible ways, and one of the great blessings I had in life was to go to the Little Country Church, Mount Hermon, EUB, and learn the stories of Jesus from day one. The old flannel graph, remember those? And as I was learning the stories of Jesus, My main takeaway from Sunday school as a child was that to live the Christian life, we need to follow the teachings of Jesus. Now, that is true, but that's only part of the truth. What I was not taught, and what I think that we oftentimes still do not get, is that to live the Christian life, we have to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus did. After all, Jesus was a human being. Is that not true? He was God in human flesh, but he put away all the rights and privileges of being God. And as a human being, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he did. If the Holy Spirit had not been on and in Jesus, Jesus would not have done as a human being what he was called to do. And somehow, we miss that. And I'm here to tell you, I have to have the Holy Spirit to pull off God's agenda. Now, let's look again at verses 18 and 19. What is it that that Jesus says? what, What is God's agenda? What is it that Jesus chooses to read in Nazareth that day at the beginning of his ministry? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is telling us that this was God's vision in Isaiah's day. And Jesus is telling us that this is God's vision in His day. And the Holy Spirit is telling us that this is still God's vision in our day. I mean, the government may be shut down, but the kingdom of God is never shut down. And we are called to live in the power of God And we're called to be about the business of the kingdom. Now, I'm going to settle down now. And I want to invite you to stand up. And we're going to see how the people of Nazareth responded. Everyone. Isn't this sweet? Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. Our hometown boys done good. But how can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? You see the distinction? Jesus had grown up among them for 30 years. There's something different about him. He has the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus would have just let well enough alone, it would have been fine. But Jesus, ever the prophet, never the politician, can't leave it at that. And Jesus says, Well, then he said, You, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. Capernaum was a little town, not terribly far away in Galilee. Jesus had performed many miracles and teachings there before he would come to Nazareth. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. We read in a different gospel that when Jesus went to Nazareth, he could do very little miracles there because of the people's unbelief. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow, a Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elijah, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. The gospel of our Lord. You may have a seat. Boy, what do we do with that? And, you know, it's easy for us to kind of sit back here and think, well, you know, I just can't believe that the people treated Jesus like that. But I think Jesus is, is, is kind of saying this to, to all of us. This is who I am. And the Spirit has empowered me to do this. And guess what? This is God's agenda. It always has been God's agenda on this earth. It always will be. And Jesus is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. It's like Patrick McCombs can't do it on his own. He needs Kelsey and a lot of other people. This mission of Jesus is never about us adulating Jesus alone. Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for followers. It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free. Would you say those words with me? It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free. Now, let's kind of roll up our sleeves and... uh, You know, Dorothy Fawn, who passed away, I I, I said this yesterday, Dorothy helped me be a better preacher. You know how? Because when she was sitting there in the pews and I was speaking, she would lean in. She'd lean forward like she could not wait to hear what I was going to say next. Got it? I'm going to ask you to lean in. (laughs) Let's lean in and hear what God is doing and, and what we can't wait to what God is doing next. Now, last Tuesday, our staff did one of those monthly excursions. We're going out into the community. We don't believe that the church should sit back and wait for the people to come to us. We believe the church is called and the people of God are called to go out and do God's agenda in the world. And so we've been to Mercy Hospital, we've been to the Greene County Jail, and last Tuesday we went to Pittman School. Pittman School is a school just a, you know, just blocks away from us, 275 students there. And one of the reasons we wanted to go there was to, to connect with the people there, but you know I just got to highlight that what we're doing there is making an impact on these 275 students, 70% of whom are our qualifiers of financial assistance so they're children primarily of working families right here in our neighborhood so the good news club shares the gospel and these and those of you who are doing this you got a relationship with those children i see the prayer list Uh, The tutoring that's going on, the relationship of of one-on-one dynamics between those of you who are tutoring and the student tells me something about the relationship. And what we learned Tuesday was it's not even the reading that's the most important. That's very important. It's that relationship. The good sense store that Laura leads, I think Laura's here today, are you here, Laura? I saw you walk in. Helps a student to earn money, points, that they can buy things, learn the value of things, and clothing is rated up high, but it's less expensive than a candy bar. So a child is buying things that's really needed. Backpacks food backpacks, food from our pantry so that the children can take food home over the weekend. But one of the key things that we learned at Pittman School was from Mike and Laura, Superintendent Mike and Laura. And what we learned was that the basic needs that was once met in the home, we we know this, has now got to be met in the school. And so the things that the school has taken on and public education has taken on in largely part, many places in Springfield, where breakfast is served in the classroom and dental care is offered and backpacks for food and Chromebooks for family and transportation and childcare and tutoring and mental health in some way so that the children there have a fighting chance to make it in this world. And as I was just watching Mike and Laura and their love and their empathy and their commitment and hearing the stories how teachers there are going past the average where the many times the career of a school teacher today is five years. They are the rock stars. God is empowering these people every day, day in and day out, in making a difference in a young child's life. And so that is God's agenda. And what is God's agenda? Say it with me. It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free. One of the things we know that's happening across America And in this community, is uh, the opioid crisis and uh, the effects of incarceration. I read a statistic recently I could not believe that one in two American families today have had a family member incarcerated. One in every two families. That's staggering. And this reality is that when you've got problems like that in your family, the temptation is to run away from church. I just think there's basically two different kinds of churches. The kind of church that when you're making a mess or you've messed up, you've got to run from it because there's all those good people in the church that don't have those problems, which isn't true. <laughs> We just think that. Or we can be the kind of a church, and I believe we are the kind of a church, where when you mess up, you run to the church. Donnie Bryant is a guy that works for us. He's been employed for two and a half years, and he's got quite a story to tell us about again some of God's great transforming work and empowerment of the gospel happening in his life and through this place. Let's watch this video please. We're glad to have Donnie Bryant here who's on our facilities staff. And Donnie you and I were talking a year and a half ago about your story and our strengths and assets in life and uh, I was intrigued uh, when you told me about uh, coming out of incarceration and looking for a job, and you ran across a guy that uh, worked at Schweitzer at the time, and he told yep. you, uh, I work for a church that likes to hire felons. So would you like to pick up the story from there?
1: Sure, so I, I came out of prison from uh, a short stand in there, and uh, one of the things you have to do is is uh, develop a, a home plan, and part of that is to have gainful employment. And But the trick is, a lot of people don't like to hire convicted felons. So I have a friend who was uh, kind of an acquaintance of mine that worked here as the facilities director at the time. And he said, I've got a job for you if you want it. And when we were talking in the parking lot, before I went in to fill out the paperwork, I said, are they cool with hiring a felon? And he said, they kind of want that. This church loves to give people a second chance and loves to help lift people up and give them another try.
0: And you've been a great employee for two and a half years. So do you want to say just a word about what God has been doing in your life uh, in these past two and a half years, either through the church here, but more importantly just in in life in general.
1: One of the really cool things about working here, I had been, I grew up a church rat. Um, So I was in the church all my life. Got one of those, um, I got dismayed with the church, I walked away from the church. And so I felt like there was a lot of hypocrisy, and so there was a little bit of, I'm going to go work for a church. Yeah. But, the, but from day one working here, everybody looked you in the eyes, say, hi, how you doing? And there was a genuineness to it. It wasn't uh, just that churchy, I do this on Sunday, but not Monday through Saturday. And uh, also working here, uh, the second facilities director under my tenure. Um, has been pulling me deeper and deeper into the outreach center, doing mentorship, uh, leading, facilitating the the, uh, discussions for the Alpha and all kinds of different things. So my spiritual growth has been sort of paramount to what you guys want from me here. I mean, got to keep the facilities up, but more than importantly, your spiritual growth and spiritual health is the the big focus.
0: Absolutely. What would you like to say to someone that's down and out? Um. Maybe in a place that's sim- similar to where you were two and a half years ago.
1: Um, there is hope. There is a way out. These people are genuine people and are willing to help you. That's why through church, um, connected, get involved.
0: And I got one more question for you. Um, how cold does it really have to be for you uh, to stop <laughs> wearing shorts?
1: Well, you know, we were just talking about that. It's going to be in the in the single digits on Sunday, and it's possible. That all wear pants.
0: Okay, well, we'll check it out then. <laughs> Anything else you want to say?
1: I think that covers it.
0: All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Donnie's got his shorts on today. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to hand off this baton. You, you got a baton to hand off, you got a face, pass over, pass on. Donnie's passing his on. Isn't that sweet? This guy now is working for those in our ministry and community impact as a mentor. While he's being mentored. That's not a picture of the kingdom of God. I don't know what is. Would you say these words with me? It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free. And friends, what does it really mean to bring good news? This is not just any good news. This is God's good news. This is the good news of forgiveness. This is the good news of a power and a force in life that transforms. This is above and beyond doing good things or good works. This is God's stuff. It is about the forgiveness of God provided for us through the mercy and the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection of God that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so we are to bring good news we are to speak forth the words. I'm not one of those that says, do the good deeds, but don't do the words. I say you got to do both. you got to do both. It's not either or. It's both and. And the difference here is that we are able to name the name and to see the power of God at work, intangible, visible, real, ways. Um, this past week, I want to talk about the importance of praying those realities and speaking those words forth in someone's life. Last Sunday night, I was at the outreach center for church at the center. I pop in there once a month or so, and at the end of the sermon, there's a guy tapped me on the shoulder, and he says, you're not retired yet, right? I know I'm not. Well, come, come on ahead. And so, he led me to the prayer room. And he told me a story, and I've known this guy. and He had been clean for a while, but he messed up. He said, I, I need God's forgiveness. And so I prayed over him. That God's power and forgiveness and mercy would give him the fresh new start that he needed. Last Tuesday, we walked through the halls of Pittman School. Shh, don't tell anybody, but we were allowed to pray. God would empower these students and these teachers. And last Thursday night, our church board meeting does prayer walks. And we walked into the Jobs for Life class. There we're 14 students, and then their champions are just beginning this eight week journey. We surrounded them and we just prayed, speaking forth the words and the wisdom and the love of God to just be showered on them. In all these places, we could feel it, we could know it, we could experience it. Would you say those words again with me? (laughs) It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor, and set the captives free." So that's really the call that Jesus had on his life, to bring the kingdom. And I think that's the call on everyone's life that's following Jesus, to bring the kingdom, to bring the good news. And to set the captives free. Because spiritually, figuratively, and literally, there's too many people in prisons. And God is the liberator. And so on this weekend, where we remember Martin Luther King Jr., two quotes of his speaks to me, I hope to you. That we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole stairway, the whole staircase. That's what God is calling us to do, to be as a church today, is to keep leaning in, taking that first step, Praying for a great awakening. And knowing that it begins with me. Begins with you. Begins with a whole lot. Of other people. This is who we are. This is who we're called to be. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why he went to Nazareth. And you know. If God's tapping you on the shoulder to do a specific thing and it seems kind of crazy and beyond your capabilities, it probably is God. If it requires that you depend upon God like you've never depended on Him before, it probably is God. If it means that the Holy Spirit is required for you to fulfill that task, it probably is God. But this I know, that when we suit up, and we join God's team, and we follow the rock star Jesus, the Holy Spirit does show up and is on us and empowers us to bring the kingdom here. Say it with me one more time. It's God's agenda to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free.